Hello, Tom here. The Berkshire Football Stories podcast has got a new sponsor. Exciting, huh? That doesn't mean that we've got new kit, though. The club secretary has made us print it over the top of last season's shirt sponsor. He reckons it'll stretch to at least another year. He mumbled something about those footballs we keep kicking over the fence, not paying for themselves. Our new sponsor? Oh, that would be MRS Digital, an award-winning digital marketing agency offering affordable social media, pay-per-click and search engine optimization to help local businesses thrive since 1999. To find out more, visit mrs.digital and tell them we sent you. Hello and welcome to the Berkshire Football Stories podcast with me, Tom Canning, and him, Rob Davis. This is our pub, but not in a pub chat podcast we're doing daily to try and keep ourselves and all of you busy during the lockdown. You can see more podcasts from us by searching Berkshire Football Stories on your favourite podcast app. You can also follow us on Twitter at FI Berkshire and find out more at www.footballinberkshire.co.uk. Today, our special guest is is Maidenhead United assistant manager, Ryan Peters, who joins us on the phone. Hello, Ryan. How you doing, guys? Not so bad, not so bad. It's uh, it's good good to see you. how are you doing? How are you coping? Okay, under the circumstances. Um, we found ways to keep ourselves entertained. I've got quite a young family, so that's, that's keeping us on our toes. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. For, I was going to say, fortunately, without at the moment. Obviously, uh, I've, I've got, uh, I've got a little one on the way. But uh, I'm, I'm quite glad that I don't have any during this period because I, I can imagine that's quite tough. Sure. Yeah, challenging, but. Um... I suppose during this period, there's not much else you can do. So uh, it's quite good to be able to do a little bit more with your with your little ones. I, I'll I'll start straight off with a with a very direct question: Is is having two a couple of kids during lockdown more or less challenging than the dressing room at Maidenhead United? <laughs> um, <oof>. less <laughs> challenging. There are some characters in our changing room. Some some characters that are the best of times can be uh, can be really full on. So I'll definitely take my little ones over that dressing room. <laughs> And is this your first? This is your first season uh, as as assistant manager at Maidenhead United. Is that right? First season, yeah. I had, um, uh, Sam was in, was in charge as the assistant manager beforehand, and we was quite close anyway. So I'd already had a little bit of an insight. But um, yeah, this is my first season as assistant manager. Have you had any uh, difficulties going from being a player into uh, being an assistant manager in the same changing group, or has it been relatively smooth sailing so far? Really, really smooth sailing. Actually, I had all those questions that you've asked, I'd ask myself a thousand times: Am I going to be able to get the uh, the respect of the boys now that I'm not playing with them anymore? Um, but the boys have been as professional as ever, and they've they've taken to some of the stuff that I've been asked them to do um, really, really well. So it's been it's been really good so far. Um, in in some of the notes that that Neil Neil Maskell, the the, the club secretary, sent us over. Uh, sorry, the fixture secretary uh, sent us over. He said uh, you you joined you moved to Maidenhead in 2015 from from uh, Braintree Town. Um, what I, I suppose it, at that sort of level, at that kind of national league sort of semi professional level, where where I, I I suppose you're were you were you kind of a, a full time player or or because I know Maidenhead are obviously. Um, Sort of part time, a part time club. But what what was your what was your kind of history and and career? What where did that start? And um, you know what what kind of level were you at when you joined Maidenhead? Would you say? Uh, so a quick synopsis. I was I was I was a uh, Brentford player, full time professional player at Brentford Football Club, and I came through the ranks um, from school of excellence. 
uh, advanced training programs before I actually became a pro. Um, coincidentally enough, I work for them now in the same format that I was a, uh, as a young boy. Um, but then uh, dropped down the leagues to Margate. Had two good years at Margate actually before I was uh, I was taken on board by Braintree Town. That's part time still um, in the national league. Yeah. Um, had I had roughly five or six great years at Braintree, and the gaffer came on in the latter stages of my career at Braintree. Um, had some phenomenal years under him, and then we moved over to Maidenhead. So you so you followed Alan to to Maidenhead, yeah? Yeah, we actually um, we we lived quite close together, so um, we was travelling into training two hours there, two hours back Monday, uh, sorry Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. So we we built up quite a bond. So um, when he when he discussed the option of moving to Maidenhead, it was a no brainer for me. Can I can I just sorry Rob I know you'll I'll, I'll let you in in a sec who who was driving in that instance? <laughs> I don't think uh, Alan Devonshire has ever driven. So <laughs> I was definitely driven the mine share at the time. <laughs> what uh, what's we had a bit of a fast at the time as well? So there was there was two other boys with us at the same time, but um, uh, towards the latter stages when those boys disappeared, it was it was just myself and the gaffer. Who was uh, who was in charge of the radio? Uh, I would like to say I was, but when the gaffer heard a few tunes that he wasn't best pleased with, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, radio station. The good, the good thing is that I'm a. I like to think of myself as a connoisseur of good music. So uh, there's quite a few different genres that myself and the gaffer um, like. So on our journeys, it was, it was quite easy. Good stuff. <laughs> I love. So, so were you sort of in his ear a lot? What, what was it like if, um, if? I mean, looking at the amount of appearances you made, it it doesn't look like he dropped you very often. But what was that like on a on a on a journey? If you if you kind of had a couple of words the night before, or or if you you'd been dropped or 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 kind of thought you th- thought thought had a difference of opinion. What was what were those sorts of journeys like? I'm not necessarily the type to be overly vocal if I'm if I'm not best pleased. But the, fortunately, one I was wasn't dropped very often, but two I pretty much knew if I was that bad. That I was going to be dropped, so it wasn't too hard. Um, and with the gaffer, he'd always tell you in advance. It would never be a case of you're dropped, deal with it. He would give you his rationale behind it. You'd understand it, and you'd just work harder to get back into the team. Uh, but I suppose with it, um, once we finished the game, we was driving home. It was no longer about football anymore. He'd, he'd managed over his years to get to a stage where that was a bad game. If it was a bad game, I want to put that to one side. Another, another journey home, talking about anything else but that game. Um, and then we'll, we'll pick it back up again when we get to training, whatever day that was. Um, so we never really had any altercation in terms of how dare you drop me. It's not fair. But um, no, it was, it, was, it was quite easy to be fair. I, sorry, I don't. I wasn't planning on spending a lot of time talking about your car journey. So just it, it intrigued me, uh, <laughs> sort of the, that dynamic of, of how it went. Uh, Rob, sorry, over to you. Yeah, well, I was just going to say that... Um... Your arrival and um, Alan Devonshire's arrival at Maidenhead sort of coincided with maybe uh, an upturn in fortunes for the club. Um, what did you find when you got to Maidenhead, and how did uh, the sort of how did it uh, change? Um, what were the elements of change that uh, happened over the first couple of seasons you were there, leading to sort of the upturn in fortunes? Uh, quiet, I think, is the word I describe. I mean, we came from Braintree, where the attendances weren't brilliant anyway. Um, but when we got to Maidenhead, it, it was quiet. There wasn't much of a, a massive buzz, if that makes sense. And I suppose when you, suppose previously before we moved, it was it was more of a relegation fight rather than a than a, a promotion push. So you can understand why. But the gap is said straight away. Um, there's a project. I want to escalate that project as quick as I possibly can. And um, two years down the line, far quicker than anybody had anticipated, he had uh, mm. he got this team 
into the National League. So there was, it was no longer quiet. There was a massive buzz. Uh, crowds were bigger than it ever been. And um, there, was a, there was a wow factor around the club. The the start of that um, that National League South winning season, if if I remember rightly, Maidenhead were not predicted to win it, let alone be anywhere near the top of that of that division. Um, and now someone may correct me if I'm wrong there. That that's how I how I remember it. But in that kind of preseason for for yourself, did you did you think that? Did you think you would be winning the league? Did the, the players that you had around the place at the time were you looking at this going, we've got a real chance here. We're going to do something special. I actually think that season we were tipped to go down. I th- yeah, that, I think that was, um, I think so. Yeah, we, our budget wasn't anywhere near some of the likes of Edgefleets and those around us. Um, and I think we were we were tipped to be one of those teams fighting for relegation. But when the Gaffer assembled his squad, I knew quite a few of them from my time at Braintree, and these boys are incredibly underrated. Um, so we knew in the league that it was going to be, and it was going to be pretty plain sailing for us as long as we gelled quickly as a team. Um, I'd be lying if I said we thought we were going to be crown champions. But none of us thought we were going to be anywhere near the relegation zone. We thought we'd be fighting for playoffs, fighting for a chance to go up. Um, but as the games went on and we saw ourselves getting closer and closer to the finishing line, we knew there was only going to be one team that was going to win it. It was going to be us. At what point did that change? Was there a uh, was there a, um, a, a particular game or a particular period of time where you suddenly went from thinking... Okay, we've got a chance at you know doing something good here. To actually thinking, we're going to win the league. We're going to, or we're going to be uh, right up there come the end of the season. I think it was Hemel Hempstead away. Um, we had a quite a good good run up until that point, and then we got we got really harshly dealt with by Hemel Hempstead. And uh, we came to the dressing room. We just said, listen, if we've got any chance of winning this, we really can't afford to have too many more games like this. And I think we just went on and plat. plat- um, our platform just rose and rose and rose. We didn't lose very many games after that. And it it was just a team talk from the gaffer just saying, if we want more, we've got to deliver more, um, which ended up with us going and, and beating most teams that were around us, not being worried about budgets and big-name players from other clubs. And we had the, the squad, and that was all we needed. Um, and it didn't matter who you put in front of us. We was going to take our chances. We were going to finish. What we did have was a prolific striker in our team at that stage. Who um, you just needed a glimpse of of the goal, and he was putting it um, in the net. So we knew we had a machine there, and as long as we were solid everywhere else, not many teams were going to beat us. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the in in uh, in the notes that Neil sent us over, he um, now because normally Rob does all the research for uh, for our <laughs> for our show, but we've we've got Neil as someone who sort of knows you and has, has watched. Uh, has watched you on a regular basis. He said, um, just just talking about strikers. He said you started out as a striker at Brentford, and you 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 moved sort of more into a, a right back. And I will say he he classes you as the best right back in the conference during during that uh, during that time um, when you were at uh, when you were sorry when you were at Braintree. But so so can you can you see that in a in a striker when you when you know that they're gonna they're going to do the business for you. And, and and why did you switch to right back? There's two questions there, sorry. <laughs> uh, in terms of the switch, I was while I was at Brentford, I was prolific as a youth team player. But the step up into the professional men's game, it was far too big for me. I was finding myself, if I was able to get one on with the goalkeeper, freezing and, and not being able to put the ball away. Um, I think it's something like 50 appearances and three goals, which would tell you I wasn't anywhere near prolific. Um, but what I did have was a knack, a knack for understanding and knowing when an attacker was going to do a certain skill to get past me. 
So it made sense for me to drop back, be as ruthless as I could be as a defender, um, and try to get back up the uh, the ladder uh, by being a defender. So when it got to the conference, I was I would like to say I was pretty solid. Um, but in terms of knowing a striker, yes, uh, when we we've had quite a few strikers actually at, at Braintree, but when we got to Maidenhead, we saw somebody that uh, just loved goal scoring goals. It, it didn't matter; he needed to be scoring goals, and that was Dave Tarpey, of course. Um, and if he wasn't scoring goals, he wasn't happy. It didn't matter whether we won three or four now. If he wasn't on the on the goal scoring sheet, he wasn't happy. So um, you saw somebody that wasn't gonna wasn't gonna rest. He wasn't gonna stop. He wasn't gonna settle for mediocre. He had to be the best, the top goal scorer in the league. What uh, what was what was Dave like as a as a player? Because we've we've asked Neil to try and uh, to try and get Dave on here, but Neil, Neil sort of says he's he's quite shy. Is it was that is that your sort of impression of him? Uh, if you don't know him, I suppose in the group, yeah. I wouldn't say he's shy, but, but outside of that, yeah, he's, he's shy guy. He's um really, really polite boy, um, but he just loved football. His footballer's family was all he cared about. Talking to everybody else and doing other bits and people, uh, bits and pieces outside of football, he just wasn't interested in. But anything to do with that group and his family, he was he was 100% into. What sort of roles did the uh, people in the team in that uh, promotion season have in the change room? Obviously, you always talk about, people talk about change room leaders and things like that, but obviously there's plenty of others like jokers and, uh, you know, other people that are, are doing other bits for the uh, team morale. What sort of, um, who were the big characters in that dressing room and what did they bring to uh, to your squad? Uh, if you're not involved in football, really involved in football, uh, some people just find it hard to understand when we talk about a dressing room and the dressing room being the catalyst for you guys to go on and do big things. But uh, some of the characters we had in that changing room were immense. We had Sean Marks, been there and done it, would laugh with anybody. He could sit and have a conversation with everybody. We had Christian Smith, who was the, the loudest one in the dressing room. These guys kept us together. So when we had our blips, the blips didn't last too long because they'd always come in and make the change room upbeat again. Uh, we had Remy Clarimo, who's still with us now. Uh, I think every single person within that that squad had something. Ryan Upward, who would bring a, a comical value to the uh, to the dressing room. But between us, we were able to knit and gel and, and nights out. Everybody would be there rather than two or three of us. So the the um, the team morale was probably the reason that we got to where we got to so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, just to sorry, Rob, did you did you have a question based on 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 that? Well, just on, on the season in general, just before we leave that promotion season, because I know a lot of people will be wanting to uh, hear uh, bits about it. But um, in that, um, in your penultimate game, uh, obviously, it was uh, Ebbsfleet at York Road. And unfortunately, the result went the other way. Uh, but a week later, it didn't matter because you were uh, went down to Margate and uh, won that uh, game fairly comfortably in the end. How um, how did you uh, react to that um See that defeat because obviously you could have won the league that day if um, if uh, the result had gone uh, the right way. And when you got to Margate, it seemed like uh, after the result, none of that mattered, and you were um, um, you were back on top form. So who were the sort of people who were uh, catalyzing that, and what was said after the Edgefleet game to get you back on track? It was actually a gaffer more than more than anything else. I mean, he, he got us in a circle as he normally does, and he just said, "Listen, it's one game." We've done so well over the course of the season. We now have another game to put things right. We now have another game to win it. Um, but I think what also helped is a few of the Ebbsfleet boys 
uh, thought was a bad idea to come around and shake our hands as we were down and say, don't worry about it, guys, we've got this, which was all we needed to make sure we put <laughs> things right the, the next week. So um, it was a bit of fuel for us. And um, the drive up to market was laughs and jokes as usual. The same characters were all galvanizing us and make sure we were ready. Um, there was only ever going to be one winner when he got to market. Um, everybody was at it right from the world go. And um, the gaffer has got this this knack of just finding players that gel together and have just got this, this sense of self-worth where they just want to be better and improve people around them. And that is the reason why we were so good that year. It's a pretty good um, result and a pretty good party at the end of it. I remember seeing the photos of, uh, or the videos of the gaffer dancing in the changing room. So uh, uh, you uh, shed any light on anything else that happened that evening that might uh, people might be interested in? Uh, you know, it wasn't as, as crazy as people might think. We got back on the bus um, and we drove straight to Wembley Stadium um, because it was the same day as the Anthony Joshua uh, yeah. Klitschko fight. So, yeah, um, and we we went to that. We watched that. We uh, had some drinks, as you would. Some of the boys went on to uh, to a club in and around the area. But most of us by then, after the adulation of winning the league and then the drive back, we were stumped by then. And some of us went home. But it was a it was a really really good night. Uh, Ryan, um, just to to sort of bring it on to sort of slightly more contemporary onto onto this season. Um, obviously, the season's been been curtailed. Uh, Maidenhead were just 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 inside the relegation zone, and it, it's obviously been a slightly tougher season than perhaps you've been used to being part of Maidenhead. How do you think that would have played out had had uh, had things been able to continue? The gap has never been relegated. This season wasn't about to be the year he was going to be relegated. Um, listen, we've had we've had tales in our in every single season we've been in the national league where we we've fallen into the relegation zone for a period of time. Um, but he always knows what to do and the right time to do it. Um, I've always said to people, where things aren't going well, when everybody's is tearing their hair out as to what to do, I look to my side and the gap is the most chill person on the on the pitch because he knows he's not necessarily able to sort it out there and then. But he has a plan, and with nine games to go, whichever however many games were left, there was absolutely no way we was going to go down. Um, so, I'm interested to see what the league does. But um, Maidenhead being relegated just doesn't seem like something that was going to happen under the, the Gaffer's tenure. Um, is is uh, so so in your in your position as assistant manager now? Is is being manager, not necessarily of Maidenhead United, but being a manager, is that something that you kind of aspire to personally now? Yes, um, I don't see that happening right now. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I want to learn as much as possible from what I think is one of the best managers that the National League has ever seen. Um, so it would be, it'd be silly of me to just say, right, my time is done, I'm going to try and find a job. I've got lots more learning to do uh, from the gaffer and from some of the coaches that I'm able to be around at Brentford's B team. So I'm taking in lots, um, I'm trying to find my own philosophy and, and tinker things in from different coaches. So there's lots for me to learn. And I'm incredibly happy where I am now. But yes, the long-term goal is to be a manager. <laughs> it speaks very highly of you that you're um, willing to sort of uh, not jump straight into it and uh, learn from as many people as possible. But how, how do you dovetail your work with Maidenhead and your work with Brentford? I mean, how, how does that work on the purely sort of logistics basics? When do you do uh, either? Uh, that part is tough. It's it's a juggling act, and it's not necessarily one that's worked all the time. But um, 
we, we train in the mornings and then I go straight up and I, I'm pretty much able to balance uh, my workloads by working later in the, in the, in the evenings. Um, doesn't necessarily help from the family side of things, but from work side of things, it gets both sides done. Um, and because I'm pretty much doing uh, football training at Maidenland and football training at Brentford, I'm able to work on uh, topics that maybe didn't work with the trainer at Maidenland and bring it to Brentford, tweak it, and then go back and try again. So um, for some people that are in in charge of the jobs that we have, they don't necessarily have that as a day-to-day job. The benefit that I have is that I'm able to have that as my day-to-day job as well. So I'm, I'm always constantly learning. I'm always constantly evolving, which hopefully allows the boys to, to learn and evolve with us. Yeah, one of the things uh, you can just ask off that is then you've mentioned how Devonshire, you, in your opinion, is one of the uh, best managers at the National League level. Uh, what makes him so good and what have you learned from him that uh, you look to take to other managerial roles in your future? Um, any manual that you think of in terms of how football should be done, how you should coach, work it up. He doesn't work on conventional stars, it's not him. Um, he has a way of dealing with every single person individually. He knows when is the right time to, to start them into life, when they need to, to rest, when they need a time off. He, he, he seems to know that without having to read a manual, this is the way it should be done. It's Alan Devich's way, something that I don't think many other managers were able to do, which is the reason why he's able to take um, so-called players that are past it, uh, in inverted commas, and spark him into life again. Um, I've never met a manager like him. and I've, I, I do my research. I'm in depth from what I, I try to learn. And... I hope he's around for a long, long time because there's a lot that quite a lot of coaches can learn off of him. Mm. Um, so, obviously, uh, we're in a lockdown period now, and uh, uh, you know the season is looks like it's uh, well, it has been ended in the national league level. Now uh, we still don't quite know how it's going to finish. But how has the lockdown affected you and Maidenhead uh, United in general? Um, obviously day-to-day work has stopped, but is there anything, uh, anything, any effects on the club that um, you can talk about and sort of share with everyone here? Yeah, I think we're probably in the same boat as most other National League clubs in that we, we've got no idea when it, we're going to restart, if we do restart. Mm. And because of that, that has an impact on on budgets and, and what we're able to play our players and, and the rest of it. But um, what we do have is a board and a chairman and CEO that are that are really family orientated, orientated and they see the players and us as part of the family. So they're doing all they can to keep the, the players being paid and the people around and paid. But more importantly, we've actually used the hub to start up a, um, a hotline. We've got 100 volunteers that come in and we just basically opened up the club for people that don't necessarily have a family around and that don't have anyone to speak to. It's just a hotline where we're able to just be better, do a little bit more for somebody at this, at this moment in time. Um, it, it's a massive sense of community, uh, this club is. I've never actually been to a club where you've got the chairman, who's not only the chairman, he's a fan. So he'll be in the, in the, uh, the club as afterwards, just having a laugh and a joke with us. And he's happy to just be around the club. Um, and it's the same with, with the hotline that we've got. As far as we're concerned, more people that can tap into our hotline, the more people we can have a conversation with, hopefully make them feel better through this time, the better. Um, but, but like other clubs, in terms of finances, we've got absolutely no idea where we stand until we're told more from the league. Um, we've got no idea when that's going to be. Do you, do you think um, that kind of everything that's going on, you know, you, you hear about 
and I'm not asking for specifics or anything like that, but you, you obviously you hear some of the some of the eye-watering fees that are perhaps getting paid to players, at, especially at full-time clubs and uh, uh, in in the national league and stuff like that. Do you think this this will level things, level the playing fields a bit, so, and and perhaps even benefit a club like Maidenhead who are in that sort of part, one of the few part-time clubs in the national league? Do, do you think it will 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 benefit? Do you think it will change anything? Uh, I've absolutely no idea. I was listening to to Gary Neville on on Sky Sports about there's going to be a massive hit and budgets aren't going to be what they used to be and salaries are just not going to be there anymore. Um, from the gaffer standpoint, we've always punched way above our weight. So mm-hmm. whatever the whatever the budget was for most clubs, we were way below it. And he's always found a way to to bridge the gap somehow. So although I imagine budgets for the so-called bigger teams are going to be lesser than they were, ours are still going to be far less. Um, but <laughs> We've never used it as an excuse. The gaffer with the name that he has will get the players in that want to be part of Maynard, that want to push the club on. And that will be the, the difference between the money that we can offer clubs and, we, and what we can't, unfortunately, the players, sorry, what we can't. Mm. What well, um, consideration, you hear on something quite interesting there, and uh, obviously Maynard being one of the few uh, part-time, uh, or sorry, semi-professional clubs in um in the national league there what other considerations do you uh, have that uh, perhaps other clubs who are full-time wouldn't um how do you think that part-time sorry part-time semi-professional status uh, affects um, you and maidenhead in your day-to-day working it has a massive effect a really really big effect lee is constantly tearing his hair out because he, he lee the, our chief scout he finds a player and it fits everything that an Alan Devonshire manager uh, managers looking for but it's the semi-professional aspect and um, there's going to be a number of clubs that will be able to offer that person that player full-time uh, football or a full-time salary full-time contract and that normally ends up being a stumbling block between us being able to acquire his services and him going to a club where he might be a bit part player but he's got full-time full-time contract full-time salary so um that's normal for us now we're used to it um but like I've said, those players that choose to come to us, that choose to um, understand that we are semi-pro, we are part-time. Um, but though, if you work hard enough, you will get your rewards uh, further down the line. You look at the likes of Harry Pritchard, Dave Tarky, those that went on to do bigger and better things. The carrot is there. But you've got to want to say no to these full-time clubs that are only going to make you a big part player to come to Maiden where you're going to be a mainstay. You're going to be part of something exciting. And then your rewards will come after that. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. Um, Ryan, I want to take you back just to to a, a little bit of FA Cup magic, I suppose. Um, when you when you first joined the club, um, Maidenhead haven't had the greatest of records in the FA Cup over over the years. I know they they played in some of the earliest FA Cup, so so in a way that is that that's something special. But just in recent years, there've been some absolutely huge FA Cup games for Maidenhead. Um, and Port Vale in particular, I know you you were a big part of that. Um, and did you play against Portsmouth uh, recently? As what was that last year or the year before? I can't remember. What what is is the FA Cup something that that's that's special to you? And and what's it like playing in some of those games? Just, you know, especially one one like Port Vale and 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 that those sorts of games. Yeah, the FA Cup is is, is brilliant. It's a chance for um, us as players and I suppose the fans to to come up against some some big teams, some big players, which you probably necessarily, with all due respect to our league, you're not going to come up against in our day-to-day league uh, fixtures. 
Um, so yeah, it's massive for us. It's a bit of carrot for the boys to be on TV um, and potentially come up against your Port Bales and Portsmouth where you're able to showcase yourselves up against the elite. Um, so it's massive for us. Port Bale was brilliant. Um, we managed to keep them. Uh, I think it was one new up until the, the, the 90th minute or so and then Mully pops up and gets an equaliser. And that's, that's, that's utopia for us. To be able to run back to our fans and be able to celebrate and it must have been a, I don't know, everything to the fans, especially when they travel so far all the way up to Port Bell and then to get um, a last minute winner. That, that's the day <laughs> I probably won't forget in a hurry. I definitely won't forget that day in a hurry. Uh, long journey back, but made all the better for the equaliser that we got. Um, but it's something that we, we, we definitely want our boys to be a part of. Um, the Epic Cup is, is magical and it obviously brings a little bit of revenue for the club as well. Oh. Um, just and, and and I suppose I I don't I don't want to kind of come across that um you know we, when we talk about Maidenhead you know we say sort of semi professional and and that because to to Rob and I covering uh, non league football in in this county Maidenhead are the top of the tree so to us we're oh. we're looking up at you guys but what I what I've seen this season so especially like a team like Notts County coming down and you and you, you go onto social media when Notts County are coming to York Road and you see kind of the the fans reactions to to playing at to playing at York Road and to watching their team and you know and they're saying things it's it's like a ploughed field and 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 stuff like that now believe me I've played on some ploughed fields in in the Bracknell Sunday League Maidenhead United's York Road pitch is a is an absolute bowling green by comparison but does that motivate players to see stuff like that does it bother you um what's because obviously not you got to Notts County you're playing at that absolutely terrific I think it's almost an all-seater ground I, th- I think it certainly it's got you know it's got huge stands on all four sides at um is it Meadow, Meadow? I want to say Meadow. I've been there. Um, it's 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 Meadow Lane. Meadow Lane. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for, <laughs> for dropping in. But does that affect Maidenhead United players? Does it? What does it do to you to, to sort of see that? I I, I guess it'll, you'll go. Well, that may, just makes us want to beat them. But what? What? I'll let you answer the question. <laughs> Mentally, we're one up. Mentally, we know uh, all those big clubs coming to our to your crowd. They're already looking down on us. Uh, most of them don't actually want to turn up to that game. So as far as we're concerned, we are we are one up. Um, so the the teams will always be around them being big time and not wanting to play here and looking down on us because our our ground isn't aesthetically pleasing to them. Um, but we, we use that as fuel, um, especially at home. And when we go away, we're fortunate enough to be able, be able to play at their big grounds. And it's not a case of us shrinking. It's a case of thinking, right, we belong here. We should be here. This is our stage, so we're going to perform on it. So um, it's never been a case of mentally where we're not going to be able to perform because they're a bigger team than us. They've got bigger facilities than us. We don't care. The gap has instilled that in us. It's all about us as far as the gap is concerned, and every game is like that. What's your favourite ground you've been to with Maidenhead uh, since you came in 2015? Uh, Notts County is a good one. Notts County is a very, very mm. good one. Um I think there's anyone at that tops there. I think Notts County would probably be the best that we've had so far. Chesterfield isn't bad either, in fairness to it. Mm. Um, that's another good one. I think those two would be top for me. Oh, Fyre, the, uh... Fyre's got a pretty oh, yeah. modern, modern feel to it. I went to the uh, uh, the Coventry game in the FA Cup as well and the, the Rico Arena. That's probably the most, uh, I'd say, modern stadium I've seen Maidenhead uh, playing, I think. But uh, yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be quite... Um, uh, it's quite an interesting league with the National League and, and 
at that level because you do have sort of the big clubs that have dropped down and have these uh, amazing stadiums and whereas uh, other clubs you, you know with the greatest respects uh are playing uh, something slightly smaller or, or uh, um something even older or a completely different style um do you have a do you have a preference of where you like to go the big clubs with all the uh, uh the flash stadiums or do you like pitching up to something a bit more traditional I'd be lying if I said I preferred the uh, the smaller, uh, not so good looking uh, clubs. It'd be silly of me. Um, I think we all want to play on the biggest stadiums, um, the, the the grass that where the pitch is just lawn. I think we all want that. Um, and I think you rise to the occasion a little bit more when you're when you're looking at a stadium and it looks the part. Uh, but but let's make no mistake about it. You're professional and you know you're going to be going to some amazing stadiums. You know you're going to be to some stadiums that are not quite as good. And the job. Is to go out and get three points. So regardless of what stadium, at, um, it doesn't change your performance. You're out there to, to perform week in, week out. Simple. <laughs> um, just to just to just to round things off as we just come to the end of our time. Um, you'll know this is coming because as as we mentioned earlier, I accidentally sent you the notes that Neil sent us over. But at the bottom it says, uh, "Ask him about once saying, look me up on YouTube.'" It was. <laughs> it's not my. Uh... Oh man. <laughs> um, so, uh, with, with Brentford I have a uh, we do a we have a I do a BTEC for, for Brentford so uh, I went away I took my boys away to a to a game I can't remember I think it was Phoenix was playing Phoenix um, and Jack Parkinson who was playing for us at the time um, was was the opponent uh, they ended up beating us and winning the league that day and one of his players just gave me a bit of stick 16 year old boy <laughs> There was absolutely no reason for me to, but I just went, oh, do you know what? When you get home, you just Google me. Um, not my finest hour. <laughs> I went up and apologised to him. But um, a 16-year-old boy rattled me, yes. <laughs> so I've learned a lot since then. So uh, that's not something I'll be saying anymore. It, it's interesting you say that because it, it's funny how it, funny how people can get to you sometimes because you'll have come up against some 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 brilliant strikers and some you know some some tricky old wingers and and. I, I suppose sometimes sometimes things just get to you and catch you off guard, don't they? It's it's not like a like a mate. There's a mazy dribbler and you can follow him and and you can and you can you can get the ball off him. I, I guess sometimes it it just happens. I suppose, but I had no idea what was going to come of that question. That could have gone that could have gone any way, really. But <laughs> um, Rob, did you have anything you wanted to finish off with? Uh, okay, yeah. Um... Out, since you've been uh, at Maidenhead, uh, you've had, like we say, promotions, cup, uh, big cup games, big wins, and um, uh, generally quite a lot of success. If you could replay one game with Maidenhead, uh, which one would it be and why? Dartford at home. Dartford at home. Yeah. I don't know if you guys would have seen it, but it was, uh, it was the game where Dave Tarpey scored a goal that he'd probably never ever score again in his life. It also happened to be the day. I think we beat them five something. I think the score was um, everything that you could think of went right that day. Everything um, from start to finish. It was a game where you just went wow to see everything that happened within the game. Uh, whether you were starting, whether you were on the bench, uh, you can help but jump up at parts of the games, which is brilliant. So um, if we're looking at a game where everything went to plan, you just looked amazing on the day, and to cap it off with a, a tremendous goal, I think it'd have to be Dartford, um, Dartford at home. 
Ryan, thank you, thank you ever so much. There is one final question we just ask everybody that uh, that comes on our podcast. Uh, it is just to do; it's nothing to do with football, um, but it's just to uh, a little recommendation for people kind of sat at home looking for something to do. Um, have you got a box set or a TV show you've been watching that you could recommend to our listeners? A lot of box set. I've just started the uh, the Michael Jordan documentary. Oh, um, um, I actually saw it trending on Twitter. Um, is it time? Something time? Is it dance? Uh, dance? Oh God! Someone said it the other day, and I've forgotten it already. Yeah, I know the one. I can't remember the name, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just started watching. It. It's, it's interesting. I just finished Ozark. Yep. Um, which wasn't too bad. Um, but I just started the Michael Jordan one, which is interesting. So if you can remember the name of it, that might be one to throw out there. <laughs> Ryan, thank you ever so much for, for your time today. Thank you for joining us. Um, that was the Berkshire Football Stories podcast pub, but not in a pub chat with Maidenhead United assistant manager Ryan Peters. You can see more in this series by searching Berkshire Football Stories on your favourite podcast app. Please subscribe for all the latest. And if you have a minute, please give us a rating and a review. All that's left to say is that it's goodbye from me, Tom. Uh, it's goodbye from Rob. Goodbye, everyone. Uh, and it's goodbye from Ryan. Take care, guys.